Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Paget here and this week we're going to be learning more about user research from Michelle Ronson. But before we dive into the interview, I want to thank the sponsor of this podcast, FreshBooks, which is a cloud-based accounting software. You can quickly create branded invoices, your clients can pay directly from them, and you can even set up recurring payments too. There's loads of great features in FreshBooks, so do go and check it out for yourself, and you can do that with a free 30-day trial uh, is one of these where you don't need to enter any credit card details. So there's absolutely uh, no risk. Uh, so to go and try it out, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash logo geek and make sure to enter logo geek in the how did you hear about us section. So if you are a regular listener of the show, you may remember a few weeks back, I released an interview with Philip Van Dusen. And at one point during the discussion, we started to talk about user research and testing and I always like to dig for more information so he kindly offered to put me in touch with an expert on the uh, topic so that we could really take a deep dive on the topic. So he put me in touch with this week's guest Michelle Ronson who's the founder of Curiosity Tank, an agency who specializes in design and user research. So she's an executive with more than 20 years of experience in academia, startups, and the Fortune 500s. And she's worked with some really big companies, including Slack, Xero, Microsoft, Facebook, PayPal, and many more. In this episode, we take a a real deep dive into user research and, and how it can be applied throughout the entire stretch of an identity design project from start to finish. From the user research you could carry out prior to starting on a project right through to uh, testing a logo design with the desired target audience and the uh, questions you can ask to get effective feedback. It's an absolutely fascinating discussion so let's get into this. Here is the interview with Michelle Ronson. So this interview is following on from the conversation with Philip Van Dusen. Uh, he briefly covered the the topic of user research and, and suggested that he could put me in touch with someone. And um, he kindly put me in touch with you. So I thought it would be amazing to have an in-depth discussion around user research. So I have a number of questions, you know, running through uh, a, t- a typical a brand identity project. I'm no expert on the topic at all, so I'm, I'm sure that um, the, the questions I have will probably steer off track quite a bit. But I, I think as a starting point for listeners that aren't familiar with what it is, would you mind giving an overview as to what user research is? Sure, sure. And uh, thanks for having me, Ian. Uh, user research is the process of figuring out how people think, think about interpret and use products and services. It's adapted from and builds on a variety of methods from social science, um, HCI, design, and other domains. And ultimately, it helps us build empathy for the people that will consume or use the products and services we're designing in an evidence-based and structured manner. 
Um, that would be like the high level goal. The, the end goal though, is to improve people's experience while using these products and services. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that there's quite a lot involved in this type of thing. So I got a number of questions to, to hopefully dig deeper into specific things. So the starting point is to understand who the client's target audience is. So personally, I just asked the question of, of who's your target audience and and I asked them to describe their ideal customer. Are there any more effective ways to understand who a, a client's target audience is? Yes. So um, I actually wrote about this on LinkedIn a few months ago. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. If um, Okay. I can link to that in the show notes. So if you can send that to me afterwards, yeah. uh, people can go and check that out. Uh, sure. Um, in user research, we don't really segment by demographic, if you will. Okay. Um, we collect feedback and data from the people who most closely represent who we are designing for. So to start, I identify the characteristics of the people I would and would not want to include. Um, we likely end up with a combination of attitudes and behavioral characteristics. Um, but many demographic variables may not be important, like gender or, or ethnicity. So we work with clients to identify these, what we refer to as segments, that are most relevant for the question that we're exploring. And so we want to take into consideration their mental space. So think, if you will, if we're purchasing or if we're looking to do some research on um, food shopping and how people think about food shopping for, say, a new uh, meal kit delivery service. So we might segment on behavior uh, or we might segment on attitude. So behavior, an example would be uh, we're looking for people who food shop um, three or more times a week. And an attitude might be we're looking for people who don't like um, the process of food shopping or the experience of food shopping or don't enjoy it. So we segment on both behavior um, or attitude or, or both. Now, the identification can vary um, in either case, but the the identification or the segment um, aspect has no bearing on how difficult it will actually be to recruit these people. So the client might say, you know, we're targeting people who are interested in a new you know, meal delivery service. Well, that's great, but we, we want to get a little bit deeper there. We want to probably um, identify them by behavior or attitude, you know, or or both. Oh, that's really fascinating. You know, I, I never really thought about that because when you think target audience, you start to paint a picture of the type of person rather than their behavior or attitude. That's a fascinating approach. Yeah, it's really... Um, you know, some, sometimes depending upon how UX mature a client is, um, and and that's, you know, another way of saying like, where do they fall on the spectrum, you know, between, you know, being completely unaware of user experience and practicing, you know, day-to-day -day, um, user-centered design and implementing it culturally, you know, on a regular basis. So where a customer or client is in their US maturity, uh, 
life cycle or, or span, you know, often indicates also their, their ability to speak at this level and, and um, create their own segments um, or even, um, you know, be aware to know about the difference between, you know, behaviors or attitudes and, and what we're looking, you know, to learn about. But yeah, it's it's less about it's it's more about product and service uh, use and utility and design than it is about, um, you know, a more traditional kind of marketing demographics in most mm. instances. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. So at that initial starting point, when working with the um, customer, if you do want to understand things like behavior and attitudes, so there are certain questions that you can ask. Uh, the client that you're working with to better understand what those are? Yeah. So I'd like to start by identifying like three characteristics of the people we want to include and three characteristics of people we want to exclude. And that's usually like a good starting point. So let's, um, let's take a, uh, a real estate app, right? A home buying app for example. So um, let's say we want to target people who are actively shopping for a new home and use mobile apps um, as a way to identify prospective homes to consider. Um, And then we also want to ensure there are people um, that are buying their first home. So those would be three characteristics that we want to include. Now, three characteristics that we may want to exclude are anybody who is shopping for um, a home with a family member other than a spouse. Anyone who is uh, looking to purchase a home with a non-traditional loan or anybody who is purchasing um, a home in a bloated real estate market like San Francisco or New York City. So it's a great way to kind of get the client into the mindset of what characteristics are are uh, would be most helpful for us to gather this information and what characteristics would be least helpful or not helpful in order for us to gather this information. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a really good um, approach to take. So um in in terms of the the next phase so if you are creating an identity and this is the part where i've always uh, never really been sure how to approach it which is why i wanted to ask um philip the 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 question is okay you've identified who that target audience is and and you've approached it on in the sense that that you're targeting behavior and attitude rather than a, a specific uh, type of person so once you've identified that say you're designing an identity or um uh well, yeah let, let's focus on identity so if you're creating an, an identity for this specific type of person what user research can you carry out before doing anything in order to properly understand what would attract that type of person user research is never done you know when when implemented properly in UX mature organizations. So it's a, it's a continuous process like sales or marketing. And in the beginning phases, the very, the initial phases uh, we refer to as formative research um, where we're gathering um, a better understanding or generative research where we're 
generating a better understanding of the landscape of the competition, of the mental model, of the type of person um, that we are uh, designing for and how they think about um, and, and, and what sort of emotions and attitudes they have about this particular company, this um, industry, this topic, um, this experience. Um, so we, we perform, you know, secondary research, if you will, to find out what's out there from a competitive standpoint and um, maybe use um, some media or Facebook groups or um, find out like what existing information um, that other people compiled um, that may contribute to what we're designing. And then we uh, may speak to some people in this area and um, uh, use some of those hypotheses or assumptions to kind of test the waters, if you will. So by the time we actually, you know, put a pen to paper or push any sort of pixels around, we're starting with an informed um, point of view. We're starting with a perspective um, in which we have already gathered some information and um, understood the motivations or the initial uh, underlying behaviors um, around this topic, company, industry, market, experience, you know, whatever we're studying. So so if I understand it right, you in, in terms of that initial research, it would be more uh, generic so understanding more people's perceptions of the the industry the competition in in general what exists out there as opposed to putting any kind of focus on your client's company well that may be part of the um, initial research too is you know how do you think about um, this company in this space or how does how would you describe what this company offers compared to what this company offers or what emotions come to mind? And that this is assuming it's, it's an existing company. Yeah. If it's, you know, if we're creating it from scratch, we would take a different route. Um, but uh, no, we, we might mine for that. I, I mean, it goes back to what are we looking to learn or what are we looking to design or improve or build? Um, but depending upon what our research question is, we would, uh, probe um, in a very iterative approach. User research is very iterative. It's it's focused in um, generally in smaller kind of sprints, if you will, um, to establish you know a, a, a baseline understanding of what our research question um, is and uh, how people you know respond to that. And we would come at it from you know a variety of different approaches. Right. Right. So you mentioned about these smaller sprints. Do you have a like a, a real life example that you can give t so that uh, we can better understand uh, what that means? Sure. So um, so you know, people when people say, but what do you actually do <laughs> as a user? Yeah. <laughs> so, Companies come to me generally with one of, you know, eight or nine questions um, and in any particular order, it doesn't have to be any sequence, but, but, the, but um, a, a very common question is what should we build? So they um, have found an opportunity space or a gap that they think that they are uniquely positioned to fill. So um, there's a thing 
and they think that they're the right people to um, solve that thing. And, um, but they don't know how to approach it or where to approach it or where to start. So that first question is often, what should, what should I build or what should we build? Another is, um, who are my customers? And, and by that, I mean, not demographically, but who are they really? How do they think about XYZ? How are they fulfilling or responding to XYZ today? Where are they going to take care of XYZ today? What's working? What's not? What's emerging? you know, in, in the landscape or, or trending according to XYZ, um, where are they before, during, and after XYZ? How do they relate to XYZ? How do they, um, what words did they use to, um, discuss this, right? So who are my customers? And then, um, um, am I building the right thing? So let's say that a concept exists or a prototype exists or a sketch exists, um, they often want to know, like, are we going in the right direction or how close are we? And that's where we get into the, am I building the right thing um, kind of question. And that is more of an evaluative approach where we're actually at a point where we can evaluate how close we are um, and how people interpret it and how people um, compare and contrast it and describe it um, or how usable it is. Um, and then the flip side of that question is, Am I building the thing right? Right. So you have two sides of this coin. Am I building the right thing? Am I building the thing right? So am I building the right thing might be, you know, is this home shopping app feature, you know, the right response to help people organize and categorize their favorite homes over time so that they can easily, you know, um, compare them um, and, and share them with a partner, mm -hmm. right. Or am I building the thing, right? You know, there's, there's five ways to solve that same problem, if you will. So that yeah. gets more into the evaluative space. Um, I can go on with the other questions, but hopefully, hopefully that will, that will help. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wanted to, um, gain a better understanding of, of what you meant. Cause, uh, I, I, I guess in, in, in summary, when you carry out any form of research, you need to know exactly what question you need to ask exactly. so, that you, so yes. that you basically get the information that you want out of the end of it. And, uh, and I know that probably sounds obvious to you, um, but from someone with my background that's never done any form of uh, user research, it's, it's um, kind of you know, <laughs> made a lot more sense of how you would uh, go about approaching it. So it's, it's basically any time you uh, need to know a specific piece of information. So, for example, if you are creating a new identity and you did have the question of um, who are we aiming to target, that's the question. And then you can carry out the research in whatever way seems necessary. Right. So if we're... Um... User research um, solves people problems, if you will. So yeah. ideally, we're not asking that question. We we would have already identified the people problem that we're solving for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Versus versus the other way, but, <laughs> but yes, um, we definitely want to um, be really, really clear on what are we looking to learn, and who are the best people to provide us feedback. Um, about that topic. And it might be like just in time feedback, right? So um, if we're looking about, you know, to learn about how people 
um, compare um, washer and dryer, stackable washer and dryer purchases, mm -hmm. we might want to intercept people like at Sears or uh, Lowe's or, or some sort of retailer um, that, that sells those types of products. So we, we can catch them like in the moments we, we, right. we say we want, we have to, we want to ask the right people, the right questions at the right time. Like that's, that's the magic kind of special sauce there. And the planning mm -hmm. of it is paramount, you know, learning to write a um, craft, a great research plan um, is, is critical. And it's both very creative and it's very strategic. I teach a whole class actually um, on just writing the plan and not only, you know, what goes into the plan, but who's involved in that plan. Um, the, my stakeholder engagement is the number one um, sign or indicator of success to me. So mm -hmm. I know the more engaged my stakeholders are, the more likely I am to move them from insights into action. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of questions I had just from what you said then. So uh, bear with me with this. So I know you said about capturing the people in the moment. So for example, if you wanted to find out information on the way that someone shops within um, or their opinions of, say, you know, washing machines, um, the most effective way to do that would be to go into, you know, your your local um, white goods supplier and uh, would you just go in there with like a list of questions and just, I don't know, when you see someone looking around, you would just ask a, a, a few set questions to try and gather together certain researchers. Is that how that would work in that specific scenario? Um, well, well, we could we could also intercept them uh, while they're shopping online, right? So let's just say the client is Sears or Home Depot. Um, so assuming that we have access, you know, to their, um, you know, kind of back end, if we will, we could design yeah. a remote intercept um, so that if right. someone is comparing two different sets of washer dryers, we could have something that pops up and says, hey, I see that you're um, looking for a new washer dryer. Um, can we ask you a few questions about this? Or we're running a study, you know, about this. Would you be interested in participating? Mm -hmm. um, going into a retailer, you have to be very careful. Um, number one, uh, it, it, it would be one thing if Sears was the client and we went into Sears, but it's another thing yeah. if Sears is the client and we're going into Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. So if if you was to do it um, online, you could use uh, your client's website, pop up um, some kind of thing, asking a question, then they could go through to some kind of form. Or if you did want to do the offline research you'd have to be quite lucky that your particular client has their own series of stores so that you are able to do that it's interesting so this it seems like there's so many different approaches that you could uh, take to gather that information oh absolutely i mean there's you know uh, dozens of other approaches that we could take too the the approach and the methods we use will differ depending upon you know where we are in the product or service development life cycle are we at that foundational phase? Are we at that generative phase? Or are we at that evaluative phase? And then what are we looking to learn? Are we looking to learn again about their attitudes? Are we looking to learn about their behaviors? Are we looking to learn about both? 
And then also how much time do we have? Do we have two hours? Do we have two days? Do we have two weeks? Do we have two months? When is this information um, needed in order to make a, an informed decision? Um, is this, are we, you know, exploring for, you know, a new line of washer and dryers? Um, are we looking to um, act really quickly, you know, because um, of some recall or re or rebate or something like that? Um, but we, we use um, it, it, the, the plan itself. We design the research plans to gather the information we need to make those sorts of confident decisions in the time frame that we that we need to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. Would you mind explaining what what goes inside a research plan? Oh, sure. So a research plan will include the high level goals um, of what you're looking to learn, um, who are the characteristics of the people we are looking to learn from, um, how um, those learnings will be applied, right? So what, what will happen with the, the findings um, and um, what is the approach that we will take? So um, which methods will we use to answer uh, specific questions? Um, it may also include recruiting details, like how we will find these people, where we will incent them. Um, it may include details about uh, the format of the deliverables. Um, so am I producing like a presentation format? Is that going to include video clips? Is it going to include key quotes? Is it going to include a journey map? Um, am I presenting a mini museum? So like, what will it look like? Um, it may include the budget. It may include a very detailed timeline. It sort of expands and contracts, if you will, um, depending upon, you know, goes back to sort of the UX maturity of the company. Um, but it always, always should include how um, the question that we are exploring is tied into the company's metrics, success metrics or KPIs yeah. or OKRs or some sort of strategic effort or plan um, to ensure, you know, that it is, you know, in line with, you know, where the, the company is, is moving towards and to, to create mm -hmm. a direct connection. Um, and it also should, you know, include the stakeholders um, who wants to know the answers to these questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. So it sounds like any research that you do carry out. And I mean, now that you said it, it seems totally obvious, but it's very clear, very measurable, and you know exactly what's going to come out or, you know, you, you know exactly what you want to come out at the end of it, which is, um, um, yeah, now you said it, it seems obvious, but <laughs> until it's, speaking it's, to you, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people, people are surprised. There's sort of like a, like a blueprint to it. There, there is definitely a method, you know, to the madness, but there's a ton of, you know, creativity there. Um, to, to yeah. it, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much. I mean, as a recovering designer myself, there's, you know, I obviously understand how to design things, right? Because that's, that's my, that's my first language, if you will, but being able to, um, combine my design background with uh, research and an analytical and, 
um, very structured approach is, is like the best of both worlds. It's, it's, it's to me, design and user research is equal parts art, science and improv. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. That's why I wanted to have an episode on this topic because, um, I felt like I got to a point as a graphic designer where, um, you know, there's only so much research that you can do on your own. And then I've, I've got to a point where I want to be better than I am. And in order to be better than I am, I actually need to know facts of um, what the user would expect to see and and to be able to test my work. And I, I feel it's the almost the, the, the single thing that can take a designer from being the person that's popping out you know like $500 logos to being someone that is able to charge in the tens of thousands of pounds because they're not just designing something they are um, discovering evidence to provide the most effective solution fact because they have the data to back it up. And that's why I think it's really important. It, it is, you know, taking that strategic approach, I think, you know, definitely separates, first of all, there, I guess there's different levels, right? First is like, a, you know, a basic awareness that there, that there are uh, different levels, yeah. right? Just like, just like in design, you know, there's, um, you know, the basics of understanding type. And um, there are people that choose type from a drop down menu, you know, and what's available. And then there's people who, you know, understand the nuances of a ligature and an X height um, and kerning and leading and when to use a display face and when not to. Um, and, and that is, you know, a very, very kind of nuanced um, level of finesse and and detail in the space it doesn't matter what program you're using if you if you if you have those foundations and research yeah. research is the same way it's um it's a learn by doing um type of craft and um you know acknowledging even even that awareness of of the different levels and um becoming more strategic you know is is the first is the first step for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, it's been interesting to um, just what we've spoken about so far, that identifying exactly what information you want to know is the first point. And then working out how to find out the answer to that is kind of the creative part. There's no, that there's not necessarily, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but there's not necessarily a set way of, of gaining that data but you need to be creative based on what you are able to do in the, the time scale and the budget and everything like that. Yes. And, and also, um, you know, how, how much confidence, you know, is needed. Do we, um, yeah. that is, that is going to um, impact um, with which methods we use. Is it going to be quantitative or is it going to be qualitative? Um, and there's also, you know, this great sense of improv when you're live. So I conduct a ton of like one-on-one sessions where I gather feedback, um, from people, um, through a conversation, um, or in a discussion guide, 
if you will, but then I might, you know, add on another um, series of activities where I ask them to show me something or I ask them to draw me something or I ask them to tell me a story about something or fill in the blanks, you know, about, about something. But in that, that live situation, I mean, you can, you can only plan so much, you know, and until you're, you're on stage basically and, and you're live and, and anything can happen there. (laughs) You don't know how they're going to, um, to, uh, to respond. And, And that part is, you know, super fun too. You can, you can control, you know, absolutely like as much as possible until you're on. (laughs) I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. As creatives, we like to spend our time designing logos and brand identities, but a lot of us spend more time than we'd like doing admin work, like creating invoices, chasing payments, logging expenses. And that's where FreshBooks can help you. It's an accounting software designed for creative professionals that will save you time. For example, you can create branded, professional-looking invoices in as little as 30 seconds. You can set up credit card payments right from those invoices too, meaning that your clients can pay faster. And when it comes around to tax time, you can export out tidy reports for expenses, invoice details, and sales tax to make working with an accountant really simple. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial. To claim that, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek, making sure to enter Logo Geek in how did you hear about a section. Now let's get back to the interview. Now I'm I'm thinking through the process. So um, we got to this point where we have gathered together all the information that we need to prepare the work. And in terms of using that knowledge, I, I think we can leave that as as a separate thing. But once you've designed a number of solutions, that's the point I'm really interested in, and I know that uh, audience members will likely be. So once you've designed a number of options what can you do from um, a user research perspective to know that what you've done is actually right and and it will be effective for the business and it will perform for the business? So so again, well, user research is primarily focused on product and service design. But what I like right. if, if Philip and Philip and I have have worked together before. So if, if Philip um, or, or someone like 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 yourself came to me and said, you know, with this question, my response would would typically be something along the lines of, well, ideally we are designing a number of solutions without gathering the input to inform those sketches up front. Yeah. Yeah. And then Yeah, I would assume that. Yes. Because okay. I th- I think um I know I know at the beginning of the conversation we went through what you could potentially pull together, but realistically unless you can um well in my case anyway realistically unless i have the budget to pay someone else to do that i i don't feel i'm uh have the skill set to go out there and properly gather that information together it would make more sense for me to employ someone like you or a company that is specialized in gathering that uh information together but it's the testing of the actual lego that you've done i feel that would be you know, a great service to have and it gives you more confidence that what you've done is right and also you get more buy-in from the client. That, that's why I'm 
personally quite excited about that side of things. So it'd be great to uh, go in a little bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. So um, assuming we have some sort of direction, you know, to to begin with, we start to sketch. Um, Then what I would do is I would, I would, uh, we could, you know, do a number of, of, we can use a number of different methods, depending upon what we're looking to learn. If we're looking to learn, um, like, what do people think of um, these logos? What emotions come up for them? Or how would they um, interpret what they think the company does or what the company offers? Um, We could uh, show them those sketches and um, ask them to describe um, what they, um, how they interpret it and what words that they would use, Um, what emotions come to mind, um, what offerings, you know, do, do you think, you know, that, that they serve now in many cases, we might need some sort of scenario to kind of bring this to life. If the, if the company name is, you know, one, two, three, um, glass company, uh, it might not be very clear to me if, is this a window pane company or is this, um, a drinking wine glass company, mm-hmm. if you will. So, will want to provide them with some context or maybe we mock it up um, in context on say um, a, a, a sales page or like a tear sheet or a homepage of a website, um, something like that. Or um, so we might do a concept test, if you will, to gather some feedback on how people are interpreting you know, that concept. Or we may do uh, what's referred to as like a click test um, where we could, um, show two versions and say, um, in an unmoderated way, we can run this on a, on a platform. Um, we could say, click on the logo that represents energy or more, more represents, represents more energy or, um, strength to you. Or we could say, um, click on, uh, uh, the version of the logo, um, who has better colors? Like which, which version of this logo uh, color scheme uh, do you prefer? Or we could do something called like a five second test where we show something for five seconds and then we take it away. And then we ask them to describe, you know, what they think they saw, what was most important on the page or uh, what was most memorable or something like that. So it goes back to, again, what are we looking to learn about? Are we looking to learn about what's unique? Are we looking to learn about what emotions it conjures up? Are we looking to learn about um, if it fits within the context? Are we looking to learn about a color scheme? Are we? What are we looking, you know, to mm. to discover? Mm. Yeah. So, um, if you were doing that online, if I understand right, you create the landing page, and um, Philip spoke briefly about this so he he discussed using uh facebook ads to uh, promote this are, are there any other ways of attracting people uh to this page or is it just simply a case of using general online marketing methods to attract people to um to fill out these forms or answer these questions or do these click tests and so on um, well, Facebook ads are very helpful to generate interest and awareness. I wouldn't um, use Facebook ads to gather feedback on concepts. Right. Unless you're recruiting people um, to then participate in 
you know, some sort of concept testing, if you will. Um, so I want to be clear about that. Um, when And when you do recruit from a place like Facebook, again, you want to make sure, regardless of where you're recruiting from, that you're recruiting the right people at the right time. So let's go back to that real estate app, right? And we're looking to implement a feature. The question is, should we implement or design a feature that will allow people to save homes and share them with their spouse so that they could easily compare and contrast and, and recall homes that interested them, right? So if we were looking to recruit, you know, we would be, again, going back to our criteria, we would be looking to recruit people who are active home buyers, people who use mobile apps um, in their shopping process. Um, and I forget what other criteria. We would exclude people in crazy markets. We would exclude people. So what we might want to do is recruit them through Facebook, but then we would have to put them through a screener to make sure that we're screening in the right people and out the wrong people. I teach a whole class just on um, uh, how to author a, a screener and why it's so important. Because if we're not asking the right people the right questions, it doesn't matter what data we, we collect. Yeah. Yeah. So with anything like that, I, um, I've never seen anything like it online. So if you were to use Facebook advertising, would you get them to fill out some kind of questionnaire and that's how you would screen them or would yes. you use a different approach? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we could, yes, we could, um, we could use a, yes, like a, a quick survey if you would. And, and we would start off, you know, uh, pretty, um, uh, by saying like, uh, which of the following, you know, maybe we, we wouldn't make it very obvious. We wouldn't say we are looking to find people to participate in a study, um, to determine whether or not we should, um, you know, explore this new feature about yada, yada, you know, we would, you know, kind of talk about it at a higher level, um, and say, uh, we're recruiting for a study, you know, in, in this space, you know, kind of generally, please complete the following questions, you know, to see whether or not, you know, you qualify. And we would have some, you know, kind of gotcha questions in there, if you will. Mm -hmm. So you kind of implied that Facebook wasn't the best way to do this without pre-screening the people. How would you normally approach it online? Well, um, regardless of where you're gathering people from, we always want to screen them. We, right. Okay. We want to screen in the people with the characteristics and the behaviors that we've identified. And we want to screen out the people who don't meet that criteria. So, um, where, wherever, I mean, whether we get them at the supermarket or, you know, we intercept them, you know, while they're shopping for their washer and dryer, doesn't it doesn't matter where we find them. We, we always want to confirm that we are talking, you know, with, with the right people. Yeah. So whether you did it offline, online, whatever questions you ask them, you pre-screen them to make sure that they're the right person. Exactly. Yes. Cause we yeah. want to, we want to ask the right people, the right questions at the right time. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that in itself would provide you with 
uh, so much more clarity because I, I know when uh, I, I spoke about this with Philip that he, I know he was a little bit unsure on, on the best way of doing it and, and uh, having that screening process does make so much more sense and you know what I love with the internet <laughs> that anyone can offer this as a potential service and you mentioned that you had a course a training course on how to approach it I do. I um, offer five classes directly. They're all remote. The first class is called Plan, and it's all about crafting a winning research plan with stakeholder buy-in. And again, that you know, it's really critical to have that buy-in because the stakeholder engagement is um, one of the surest signs of uh, success. Um, and the the plan is where we make sure that we are identifying the right questions to ask and um, finding the right people to ask those questions to and right-sizing the approach with the time we have available and the budget and how it um, aligns with uh, an organization's company goals and metrics um, and uh, some uh, other very kind of dynamic creative pieces. Um, and then the survey screen class, which I think is um, maybe what you were asking about, um, that is really how to make sure that we are recruiting the right people. And that is focused on not only who we recruit, but where we recruit them, how many we should be recruiting, um, it, how many we need to speak with is uh, dependent upon how many segments we have and what types of methods we are using. Um, but how many people we recruit is very different. And um, there we go through the pros and cons of different question types and when to use which ones and um, different platforms from which to recruit from. And um, uh, we explore um uh, different ways to both like pipe and branch and sequence questions, not only just for screeners, but for um, surveys also. And then the interview class focuses on how to author a discussion guide to get the right people talking. Um, so there's, you know, very um, distinct types of questions that we ask in a very distinct sequence to um, help ensure that we're gathering the right information from the right people at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I need to go and check that out myself because uh, <laughs> with with the beauty of the internet, pretty much anyone can set these things up, but they just need to be able to ask the right questions. And um, I, I know we've spoken for like 45, 50 minutes now. And um, yeah, there's only so much that we can really go through. And it's, it's all of that information that would allow someone to go out there and do it themselves they wouldn't need to go and hire someone um but uh, and i'm sure this is covered in the course but I, i'd like to ask this uh, as a question it sounds like um when you do this you obviously need to find people and you can use platforms like facebook or you know you can use other methods and then you send them through to uh pages do you need to build all of that from scratch in order to do that research or are there softwares or systems or platforms that you can just i know pay a monthly fee for and use is there is there anything out there like that for this type of thing um, so there are some platforms um, that you can use to to um, run studies, and some of those um, 
platforms have some kind of canned questions, if you will, there's yeah. always going to be some sort of, or let me, let me, let me revise that. There should be a significant <laughs> level of customization um, because your questions and what you're looking to learn are different than what, you know, the organization to the left and to the right is looking to learn. So um, oftentimes clients will ask me to um, write what we refer to as question banks, if you will. And that's where, you know, I might author a hundred or 200 questions um, that are specific for a client that use their distinct language. So those might include questions about content um, discoverability, content comprehension, content um, or uh, 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 feature comparison or to describe or compare um, this functionality versus that functionality. Oh, and and I'll, I'll write questions, you know, here's a bank of warm-up questions. Here's a bank of digging deeper questions. Here's a bank of Likert scale questions. Here's a bank of wrap-up questions um, so that the teams have something, you know, to dive into. And, and they're starting with a place where they have a series of questions to pull from that they know, you know, do not contain any sort of bias. They're, they're neutral questions that are pertinent and relevant you know, for their organization. Mm. So that, you know, that question bank that you're creating, how have you learned how to put these questions together? Um, so I have a number of uh, teaching tools that I'd be happy to share with, uh, with your audience too. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to put that in the show notes. So if you can send that over, I'll make sure to include it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's different types of, of questions. Um, and when we're going through something like, um, a one-on-one -on -one, uh, interview, there's a sequence in which we communicate and uh, we call that a story arc. And regardless of the topic or regardless of how long this conversation is, we always follow the same arc. Um, and that arc is going to include an introduction, um, a kickoff, kind of a ramp up, and then a focus on uh, the topic area in which we, which to explore that kind of deeper dive. Um, and then we're going to go through um, a period where we're going to uh, affirm what, what we think we heard. Um, and then we're going to wrap up and create space um, for the person that we're speaking with to provide us um, with feedback on anything that maybe we didn't think to ask about or anything that they think might be important for us to know, you know, in hindsight. So it always follows that story arc. So my, my question banks um, tend to follow that story arc, or you can sort them by topic. Say you um, are running, a, I'll use that content test example. You're running a series of content tests. So you want to, um, um, and we have, you know, here's five questions about learnability. Here's five questions about comprehension. Here's five questions about um uh, simplicity. Here's five questions about meaning or interpretation and, and things like that. Mm, mm. You know what, that would make a really good product if there was something like that for 
uh, people working in like logo design or identity design. I, I don't know if that already exists, but uh, that would be a fantastic book to have, um, you know, like 100 questions that you would ask while, when testing a, a logo design. <laughs> oh my gosh, I should write that. <laughs> you should write that. I don't know if it exists, but how great would that be? Because it sounds like you've develop some kind of framework I, I don't know how you learn how to do that whether you developed it yourself and and uh people hire it sounds like people hire you to do that so I assume that you develop your own process so if there was already uh if there was some kind of book out there for um that like about the questions to ask and it was just a book full of questions maybe with a brief introduction <laughs> if that doesn't already exist you need to write that and I'll help you promote it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love to do that. <laughs> I am, I have been, I might cut this out, but I have been planning to do um, some kind of magazine series called Logo Talk because I have um, a backlog of 80 episodes and I've got interviews in there with people like Tom Geismar and um, Saggy Habib and Aaron Draplin and Louise Feely. There's all these big names in there and it feels like, because um, I paid to get them all transcribed and I've got them all on a website. But how great would it be if they were catalogued in some way? Um, but it would be really good if there was one that was on the um, top 100 questions to ask when testing a Lego and it's called Lego testing. But that could be a great book in its own right. <laughs> you yeah, definitely I, have to do it. If, if, you, if, 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 if that's one of the things that you do all of the time, I reckon that you could write the ultimate Bible for it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what, like, what kind of topics would it, would it cover like what like categories of questions come to mind for you I don't know I'm gonna leave this in but um okay so um I don't know exactly what the questions would be but say if designers want to test the logo um right. the the book would be fantastic if it had um all the the questions that you would ask maybe there could be different scenarios um um yeah, I I don't know what those questions are. That, that's that's why I wanted to get you on this as a podcast. But actually, if you could create that as a resource, a paid resource, I don't think anyone should get it for free because there's a lot of work that goes into that. But that would be an amazing product that that um, I would personally use because, as I said at the beginning, um, something that I would like to do uh, long term is get to the point where I can charge, you know, tens of thousands of pounds for logo design and uh, I think what really makes the difference or or th the, the way that I see it in in order to charge those high figures what I design needs to be right and the only way to know that it's right is to actually perform tests and to to, to use market research um to use you know to do user testing and and um gather together all, all of that information so if uh um a single designer is able to carry out this work themselves then it's it's amazing and um, because there are uh, tools like Facebook where you can do very targeted advertising if this book contained these screening questions that would be amazing I know you said you had that training course but um, it could also be in the book maybe um, so screening questions would be great and also the, the questions that you would want to maybe ask so you know so that you've got this bank of questions that you can reference and I don't know what would be in there but you know if you've done this exercise um, a number of times for clients it would be an amazing book for anyone working in Lego or identity uh, to be able to test what they're doing. 
Well, that's such a great idea. And it builds just so squarely on my designer <laughs> experience and education, my first life. I yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we can collaborate on it. So, I mean, I'll, I'll leave this in the podcast. But awesome. yeah, if anyone is interested in it, let us both know. Well, let Michelle know because she, she's the one doing the work and I'll just help her to promote it. But I would like that. So if anyone is interested in that, um, send Michelle an email and, uh, you know, maybe it will motivate her to create a, a product specific for that. And, Definitely. Uh... <laughs> Michelle with one L at curiositytank.com. I love this idea. <laughs> These things always happen when you have, uh, you know what you said earlier on about when you have uh, live conversations, you never know what's going to come out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I came in with all these questions and loads of things have come up and uh, we've ultimately ended it with <laughs> this product would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so what we would do from here is we would, you know, gather some, you know, do a little bit of secondary research to find out, yeah. you know, does something like this exist? Um, yeah. What's the appetite? Uh, for something like this, we could even do some Facebook ads, you know, to gauge the interest and we could target it towards designers that are looking. I have to... a Facebook group that's only logo designers. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're already pre-screened. I don't let clients in. So it's only Lego designers in that group. So that's, amazing. Throw that. This, that's a great thing. <laughs> Throw it out to the Facebook group and, and see what kind of feedback you get up. You could just say like, hey, you know, I did this podcast with a researcher and, and uh, we were talking about an idea to yada, yada, yada. Um, I mean, I'm putting this out there. So people are listening to what we're saying now. So oh, right. if, if <laughs> right. they want it the same, they, they will obviously, you know, put their hand up in the air and say, I want it. So oh, <laughs> maybe I'll put a poll out afterwards. And um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can help you ask those questions. Absolutely. Well, what we could do is then, you know, say like, if you're interested in this or, or whatever, and, and I could talk you through that. You should take the plan class. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I have, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a discount code also for any of your listeners who want to take any of my, uh, my classes through Curiosity Tank that um, uh, enter discount code logo geek uh, 25 for okay. 25% off. And um, I also teach um, all of the user research uh, uh, regular classes at General Assembly, um, which is now global due to the COVID-19 shelter-in-place mm -hmm. rules. So people can uh, take my classes there as well. Yeah, amazing, amazing. You know what, I, I think that's probably a good point to uh, wrap up the interview because I, I think we, we provided a, a really good introduction into uh, user research and, and just the the pure approach of um, having specific questions to ask to find out specific information as obvious as that might sound uh, that's what I've got out of this and um, yeah in terms of testing uh, you you kind of backed up what Philip said that you can use these online tools and uh, he said something very similar but it's the questions that's the the hardest thing and I, I know you know, we could do another probably like 10 hour long podcast on that topic alone. So um, definitely need to do that product. If if nothing like that exists out there, which I, I would doubt it would, um, uh, if you could put that together, I'll help promote it and 
uh, we can have a joint collaboration. But yeah, let's let's see what people say. So anyone that's listening to this now, if this is a product of interest, it doesn't exist at the moment. But if if it was something that you wanted um, Michelle to put together, uh, special for Lego designers, that would be amazing. I, I would like that. So let's see what the uh, feelers are like. But Michelle, it's been amazing to chat with you. Um, I feel that we've only really scraped the surface on the topic, um, but I will steer people towards your uh, training course. So thank you for putting that um, promo code together. So I'll link to that in the show notes uh, so that people can find it. But otherwise, um, Michelle, thank you so much for your time. It's been it's been great to chat with you. Thank you so much. And um, happy to um, also share that I have a monthly-ish uh, user research newsletter called Fuel Your Curiosity. That's super fun. And um, let's see where this goes. This is, yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, until you start talking about these things, you don't really see the um, need for it. But like I said, um, I the, the way that I see it is that you can take a service that's, say, around the $1,000 mark, I think if you was to add into your logo design service, things like trademark checks with a lawyer, things like the initial uh, market research at the beginning, and then proper user testing, that would take you to that 10,000 plus price point. Because I, I think it, it makes a, a, a massive difference because you go from thinking that this will be right to knowing that this will actually perform in the marketplace. And that has so much value to um, companies that are uh, very serious. And um, I've always thought that you would need to recruit someone like yourself to, to do that. And uh, I mean, obviously, uh, people can do that. But if, the, if there was the tools, uh, training materials, uh, if there was a, a, a reference book of some kind, it would allow you to do it yourself. And it's it's a, a priceless service, so uh, I, I I reckon that there would be quite a big demand out there for that type of thing. I'd I'd absolutely love that, but let's see what the feelers are. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> let's wrap whole, up the interview. <laughs> I don't know if you could you could do it. Your you know it it would be like um it would be like saying, well, let's wrap there. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much more to Let's keep yeah, we talking. Keep I love this going. time. Thank you for having me, Ian. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, let myself and Michelle know by giving us a shout out on social media. I always love to hear from you guys, and I know that Michelle will appreciate it too. If you want to learn more about Michelle Ronson, head to her website, curiositytank.com. Alternatively, check out the show notes for this week's episode where I'll link to all of Michelle's websites, social profiles, links to the uh, courses she mentioned, and you'll also be able to find a full transcription of the interview too. So to find the show notes for this week's episode, head to logogeek.uk forward slash 83. Again, that's logogeek.uk forward slash 83. If you're keen to discuss anything uh, mentioned in this interview with myself and over 9,000 logo designers from around the world, you must join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and it's very, very active. So if you have any questions or need any support, it's definitely 
the place to go for it. So to find that, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community or do a search on Facebook for the Logo Geek community. If you've been enjoying this podcast, one way that you can give back is to write a review on iTunes. That will help me to uh, climb up the uh, results on iTunes and it will allow me to reach more people. So if you can spare a moment and write a review, that would be very, very much appreciated. So thank you to anyone who has already done that and anyone that is able to do that. It is uh, really, really appreciated. So thank you. So that is it for this week, but I'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast. <laughs>